where we explore the intersection of authenticity, mindful consumption, and radical motherfucking healing. I'm your girl, your host, Adriana, aka OG Adriana, if you're nasty, and I am back. I am here, um, yeah, in front of this podcast mic. That is not my actual podcast mic, and we will actually talk about this at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm back in front of it a little later than I expected. Um, if you've read in the description, in the title, um, I have a very special person that we are joined by today. Um, a very special conversation that I was blessed to have. Y'all already know I get in my field when these artists decide to share little pieces of their journeys with me. Like, I think that's so special just to like share that specific space with artists, because I think there's only like so much you can get out of ingesting someone's art. And I could rant about that forever, but before I do, and so I could actually get into the conversation that I'm over here swooning about, um, I guess we can get into the things like that are going on in the world, in my life. Um, so as far as current events, y'all, <clears throat> These last couple weeks since I've been on this podcast mic, right, um, I have not been in the greatest space mentally to ingest the news that is not directly pertaining to myself or my community. But I guess in the overall spectrum, because sometimes we do uh, talk about some things, specifically some white-ass colonizing-ass things, a.k.a. the fact that these men, these white lawmakers are still up our vaginas like that that's a story in itself um there was a law passed in I believe Oklahoma today that may or may not have or that may or may not see the sentence is not sentencing but you know what I'm saying um, a law was passed that potentially bans abortion um at conception um which is fucking ridiculous um and y'all I can rant about this forever. I've talked about this. We have an entire episode about this, um, but this is why it is very important to distance ourselves as much as we possibly can from things that are, are not aligned with ancestral practices. Um, and especially when it comes to taking care of our health, taking care of our bodies as women, caring for our wombs and things. Um, but yeah, another thing that is kind of in the news, right? And I'm only laughing because it's the most unironic, is that a, is that a word? Unironic, unironic situation that could have happened um, involving um, Sir Young Thug and Sir Gunna, um, these people who I have recently been swooning over a lot um, as far as their art. Um, but yeah, them and their peeps, their YSL peeps, which I actually just found this out um, via listening to the read the other day that YSL, this YSL, friends, literally means um, 
young slime something legion look life <laughs> like some like what is this friends literally um but either way um young thug gonna the camps in which they oversee allegedly are allegedly under fire for a rico charge um some racketeering and other gangster things that i am not a part of so i can't really speak to in that way um y'all already know always playing praying for black men, always praying for the institutions that we were put under that causes this cycle to continue, right? Um, however, the situation is very unfortunate for everyone involved. The evidence that I have heard um, floating around on said CNN and other news outlets, um, it's just really unfortunate. Like, that, that's, and I can't even, you can't even blame, like, at least I can. I'm not about to blame a young thug or a gunna for, um, I guess, for continuing a continuing along inside of an institution that is not their fault necessarily that they are in in the first place. Um, but that's all I'm gonna say about that because, like I said, I got a very important and special conversation to talk about. Um, but Honestly, a note that I wanted to um, put here, and I'm not going to go too deep into this conversation, a young rapper, um, I believe from Atlanta, also just passed away, not familiar with this young man's name. Um, however, it made me really think about like how me, Adriana, the most feels of the feels, double cancer moon mommy, um, is really starting to become desensitized. And this is a word that's kind of bounced around in pop culture, in the media, um, in the last couple of years. Um, however, I've always been so far removed because I'm never desensitized to anything. But I, I think when I felt myself reaching the place of feeling numb to hearing about a young black entertainer who was at like the pinnacle, you know, like of their career or like the precipice more so of like this career. Um, the fact that I felt numb to that, like that was so eye opening to me and it made me question um, whether I'm doing enough in my community, whether or not I am putting the tools um, in place for my child, my, my black male, double digits now child, um, to be able to feel things and to be able to, to understand when things are emotionally triggering and understand how to navigate and communicate and live through them because we all know, honey, what happens when we try to avoid sitting through our emotions. And that's a different story. But anyways, y'all, that's enough of literally the current events of the world. Because like I said, um, I feel like that was a very, very brief um, overview of all of that. Um, only because, yeah, I have not been worried about that. Because in my current life moving on, um, y'all, First of all, my child is double digits. Goddamn, that is a, a huge accomplishment for me, a mother, um, him and or myself and his dad have not harmed each other. We are able to co-parent in this way that 
I am so grateful for that I do that there are not examples of quite frankly around me my kid has boundaries and he will let you know when he doesn't want to be touched or bothered or when he needs nap time because Taurus energy you know the kid speaks up for himself and is creative and I have kept this human alive for 10 motherfucking years and that is the most I don't know. I feel kind of proud. Like you look like y'all, y'all know the conversation that we had when I quote unquote graduated or phased out of therapy. Right. But listen, my child becoming 10, like y'all thought therapy, you couldn't tell me shit. Right. Like when I graduated therapy, but like nigga, my child is actually 10 years old and I actually kept him alive for 10 years. And we are actually compatible as mother and child and we have open communication and dog, dog, you can't really, you really can't tell me shit. I feel very solidified in my grown up adult life and it feels beautiful and I'm very thankful and I'm very grateful and word to the motherfucking ancestors because like nigga, how, how, God, how would we have gotten here? Listen, like mentally, spiritually like to physically carry a child through and guide them in the way that you've always wanted to be guided and parented and be able to to see the reflection of all that you wanted as a kid in yourself and your kid actually fuck with you like dog there's no better feeling listen um but other than that in my current event life um Y'all, lately I've just been feeling so affirmed in, you know, the podcast and me swindling my way into these creative spaces and developing these relationships with these really cool, creative people. Um, Y'all, I really need my nigga Key in my um, ear right now telling me to stand up because I'm over here like already thinking of Lil Bay or whatever when I think of these creative people that I've been able to share spaces with. But y'all, like it, it really means a lot and doing that has been really cool. That being said, I was able to finally see the man of the hour, actually, the bag is out, the, or the cat is out of the bag. Um, I was able to see AJ Bray um, perform live, and that was a very uh, cool moment, because the man's is so swaggy, and he, just, he is so kind, and the conversation that y'all will hear a little bit later in this episode is just so special, because um, to know that there are artists, and Y'all already know I am big on not working with people, not having conversations with people that I don't believe in. But to know that there are artists that genuinely like love the music, but that are genuinely invested in investing their time with their peers, like, and you swaggy as fuck, and you can get on a song and say that, like, whatever the fuck about these bitches and hoes that broke your heart and that you break it, like, what a well rounded individual. Um, so I was finally able to see him um, that same night, actually, that I saw the Mans of the Hour, AJ Bray, live. I also mobbed over to um, C. Will's album release party. He, like, invited me to this, like, months ago, like, before he even, like, dropped the flyer for it. So I was very, y'all know, when, when these artists ask me, Adriana, 
little old me, right? To personally pull up at their events, like, nigga, I gotta pull up. And I I, I pulled up, right? Um, so that was a beautiful experience to be able to do. Um, and my girl, Lynn, y'all already know, we stand Lynn. She's talked to us on the podcast. I look at her as a little sister. I genuinely just... I fuck with her so much. But yeah, I got to see my baby girl perform. And after her performance, she invited me. Oh, gee, again, Adriana, me to the studio with her. And y'all know my love language is hearing these unreleased songs and seeing these artists in their elements. So being able to mop to the studio with Lynn, um, with her family and her husband, and it was just, I cried on the way home. It was so beautiful. Um, and put the mic closer. Yeah, I got you. Um, but yeah, it was just so beautiful. And I was so thank. Oh, I can move it physically. Oh, is that like close? Should I scoot? Oh, like that. Like I should be on the mic per. Okay. So friends, um, being able to just mob to the studio with Lynn and being there and around her and all of her peeps. It was just so beautiful and so dope. Y'all know unreleased music is my love language. And uh, speaking of unreleased, actually not speaking of, we're going to talk about this in the things I'm currently interesting segment. Um, so moving right along before I start rambling too, too much. Um, let's see the notes of mine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just y'all already know, like these artists really save my world and just to be around these people who like truly inspire me and I truly fucking believe in, like it's crazy. But we gonna talk about unreleased shit like in a second. But just to recap really fast, last week's episode entitled, or I guess it was two weeks ago's episode that was entitled No Hurt Guy Energy featuring Next Gang Fleazy, R&B's next sex symbol on me, um, where we talked about a lot of things like parenting and navigating the music industry and having a longevity um, or having longevity with friendships and with navigating these motherfucking artistic spaces. Like, if you are from the city for real, like, nigga, you've known these next-ass perp and turk-ass niggas forever, like, since we were children, right? So um, we talked about all of that. And that's all I was saying. Don't, y'all, the episode, literally the catchphrase of the episode was don't at me. Because if you know, you know. But we not adding Adriana about that motherfucking episode, you feel me? Um, but yeah, I guess we can get into the things that I am currently freaking ingesting um, because I've been ingesting things. Um, yeah. So y'all already know that it goes without saying at this point, but when I say the things that I am currently ingesting, um, I mean all the many ways in which you can ingest things. Um, so not just physically chewing and eating and swallowing things and sending it through your digestive tract, um, but things that you can ingest into your aura, into your spirit by way of hobbies, by way of the company you keep, um, and all of those many good things. But just to start it off, y'all, as far as like food, drinks, and supplements, y'all know I've definitely been on this CMOS plus echinacea um, tablet situation that I've been talking about. Um, but something special that I want to talk about today in supplements Y'all, I was gifted by the skin priestess, goddamn, the hill country hoochie, goddamn, um, the hoodoo mommy, honey, Jordan, I, Winston, who has been on this podcast, um, all, all the things, um, 
but she just dropped her muse box collection um and if you don't know now you know jordan does conjured skincare that is all plant-based um she from the city goddamn born and raised a real hill country hoochie on me a real two three mommy if you know yeah you know like you know but um yeah i was gifted for my birthday um what i have been drenching myself in for all of y'all's events um hoochie coochie mojo bomb concentrate and by okay so we all know jordan skin priestess um she is moonstone holistic that is her skin place that's where you can go and get your your conjured ancestral um ancestrally guided goddamn plant-based facial using ancestral practices um, and not all your little microdermabrasion and all your weird Western colonized ass medicine. You feel me on the face. But anyways, um, so Moonstone Holistic is the company, right? Um, however, the skincare and conjured line is Venusian ceremonial art. This balm that I've been drenching myself in is called the Hoochie Coochie Mojo Balm Concentrate. Um, and it is a serum, perfume, and just an all-around mojo balm, right? Where it is used to call in good luck, money, orgasms, protection. It is an all-around blockbusting come to me for the motherfucking hoochies made and conjured in Austin, Texas on me, 78753. Shout out to my north side, east side, northeast also, um, mommy. Um, be, because yes, this bomb, let me tell you, it, it's the socialite's dream. It is the, it, first of all, it is yellow. It is very strong and heavy on the like jasmine and lemongrass since so so listen sacral chakra mommy if you're trying to feel very confident and if you are trying to um if you're into like atr african traditional religion um if you're trying to channel channel that very very sexy seductress like oshun energy goddamn this is for you. And also Jordan skincare line, um, because it is a ancestrally led hoodoo based company. Um, you can only buy it if you black goddamn, um, ancestral things only bloodline things only if you feel me, you feel me. Um, but to, I say that to say Jordan also gifted me with her Florida water, which is a glamor oil Florida water. And let me, let me tell you, I've been drenching myself and my life in this glamour oil. Um, but yeah, you already know. If you know all, all the spiritual hoes, you know um, a Florida water is a multi-use cleansing, in this case oil, um, which is for blessing, anointing, attraction, and all the things. Nigga, I have put this on your floors after a hyssop wash and, and see, read you some, nigga, <laughs> read you some Psalms. And I'm not even gonna give you a specific Psalm, but listen, pick you a Psalm. Y'all better work your Bible and use this. Listen, listen. If you know, you know, but this is not a, a hoodoo episode. We're not talking about working Bibles in this episode. But if you know, you know, shout out to Jordan for that. But as far as what I've been eating, y'all, um, ovulation mommy, only craving salty and spicy. Um, it's around that time again. Goddamn. Um, but, <laughs> but I am, wait, did you say something? Okay. Just making sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been drinking a lot of iced coffee. Um, shout out to iced coffee. I have also been spending way too much money on fast food. Um, I really should be getting fucking 
compensated because y'all know we've been we've been back in the office for work and that is not comfortable it's not a thing that I'm trying to do at all ever with my life um however that being the case nigga I've been spending too much money on food that I would not have ordinarily spent um so a lot of Chipotle going on a lot of Schlotzky's happening a lot of a lot of things going on right um so moving into this next week or next couple of weeks um I am definitely going to be more mindful of my motherfucking spending because fuck these niggas first of all for making me go back to work also and not compensating me for gas and being the the most profitable company on the motherfucking planet and being so shitty but that's all I'm gonna say about that okay word to corporate America okay um but moving right along right to media the things that I've been watching so the other day y'all know I'm true crime mom me but the other day I somehow went into a rabbit hole of Carla Faye Tucker now if you're a true crime person you know Carla Faye Tucker her and her little boyfriend they they did some drugs and they did one of them pickaxe situations and the she literally rehabilitated her life turned to Jesus honey while she was on death row she her um sentence did not get communicated at the last minute. Is that the word? Maybe, but either way, so the girl got ex executed. Um, President or Governor Bush at the time was like, nah, honey, I don't give a fuck how rehabilitated. But either way, um, Carla Faye Tucker, if you don't know her and you claim to be a true crime fan, you don't really know because nigga, she was literally the first woman in Texas to be executed um, since the um, like execution began in Texas okay let me not be so morbid <laughs> but either way um I went into a binge a rabbit hole of her like last interviews and dog she was speaking some words now y'all know as an ancestral Austin Texas bloodline hoodoo mommy who really grew up in the church and who really grew up um working a bible honey without even understanding it the things that she was saying resonated and also I say all this stuff about myself is because as the person I am I can get a word from anybody like goddamn I don't care I will be walking down the street if you have something to say that resonates with my spirit I will get it and this killing ass murderous the white lady she she was saying some things in her final days and it made me really question like whether or not like rehabilitation can happen but also, whether or not, like, actually taking someone's life, like, if you could, if you could coexist with that, with that fact of life, but also be able to go about the rest of your life in a clear and peaceful way that is a genuine um, testament to, like, healing, healing, oh, honey, this is, Next episode, we gonna talk about it. Oh my gosh! But um, other things that I've been watching as far as media, um, y'all know, Jocelyn Honey had her little two part reunion, which is horrible, trash, terrible, and y'all know I've talked about the reasons why we um, even watch reality television on that voyeurism, the psychology of voyeurism episode. Um, however, I, I checked out. Like there was no dialogue. There was literally just women fighting. And y'all know there's only a level, there's only a certain level of like fighting I can do. A lot of Jocelyn's Cabaret, nigga, I was watching to see women throw ass. And I told y'all 
Jocelyn's Cabaret is literally like watching a real life reality version case study of soft white underbelly. If y'all are soft white underbelly gang, you already know we've talked about Mark, um, Laisha, Latia, whatever the hell his, his name is. We've talked about him and his interview so much. I, I would love to have a conversation with this man. Um, so badly manifesting that for sure. Um, but no, Jocelyn's Cabaret is literally like watching just a, a, I, I don't know, like a reality television version of these stripper hoes and prostitutes that I am already so intrigued by their brain and their psychology, their psychological makeup anyway. Like, however, all the fighting completely checked out. If there's another season, I will not be watching, like, because it is so, the anxiety that I felt definitely over I guess it it just overtook the entertainment at that time. So I, that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, definitely won't be watching again. Oh, documentaries, though, y'all. So I watched the Marilyn Monroe documentary that was done by that, I think, Australian filmmaker who was, like, investigating her death, found out that there was no foul play, which, nigga, of course they're going to say no foul play. What? It's Marilyn Monroe. Like, nigga, if the Kennedy if the Kennedys didn't kill her or have her murdered, please tell me. Uh, like, was it the drugs? Was it the drugs? Um, so either way, my conspiracy theorist brain definitely went on with that documentary, super good, um, on Netflix, another Netflix documentary that I was put onto by my little bae or whatever is called Our Father. And y'all, this is some white ass, white ass shit that I'm positive happens way more often. If you do not know, the homeboy was a very famous fertility doctor and he inseminated his own patients and the man had children and his bloodline ran strong and it's a whole bunch of white, blue-eyed, blonde hair ass motherfuckers running around because he was on some weird biblical... See, it's so interesting that this episode I brought up, Carla Faye Tucker, um, because y'all know how I feel about the institution of religion. Y'all know how I feel at, or about organized religion, religion as being just as much as an institution as the criminal prison system in America, right? Um, but it's so interesting that I bring up Carla Faye Tucker because I really resonated with her words as a as a person who, although it's far removed from the church, I grew up in that shit and I understand the sentiments, um, but also growing up and understand the sentiments, the way that this white ass nigga literally used a Bible verse to justify medically trigger warning raping women to fucking produce some weird blonde hair, blue eyed clan of people. That is the perfect metaphor for organized religion to me. Like, it is the literal perfect metaphor, and that is something that we are gonna get into because that is not what this episode is about. Like I said, very important conversation, AJ Bray, coming up, right? <laughs> but, um, hey, what am I doing on time? What does time look like? <coughs> huh? Oh, sheesh, like more? Or I'm at, tw like 21 minutes. Okay, cool, but, okay. But um, as far as things that I have been watching, um, that's really all. <clears throat> like I said, um, well, like I didn't say, but um, going back to our father, right? If you are interested in true crime, but you are not necessarily super morbid like your girl, and you do not necessarily um, want to hear about murdering all day, 
Our Father is a one of those twisted ass documentaries that is going to keep you interested and it is going to show the faults of the judicial system and it is up like I said a perfect metaphor for organized religion like and you cannot tell me any different it is so like it baffles my mind like the nigga is a fucking sociopath and y'all know on that episode that we talked about like sociopathy and the antisocial personality disorders y'all the like the although it is hard to pinpoint like the specific cause of those antisocial personality disorders one of the main triggers of those um antisocial personalities are are being institutionalized and this weird ass sociopathic medical trigger warning rapist ass nigga was institutionalized by motherfucking religion and you can't tell me you really can't tell me different actually is all we're going to say for that about that but as I apply chapstick and y'all drink a Topo Chico. That is, the Topo Chico is actually perfectly um, cold. It has like the little flakes of ice, um, but drinking because I know y'all enjoy hearing my drinking sounds sometimes, allegedly. I could be making this up my brain. Okay, but moving on, um, as far as the music that I'm currently ingesting. So, I'm gonna try to do this like opposite of what my notes are because y'all already know what we gotta talk about because it's been two weeks and you already know what we have to talk about, right? <clears throat> but to start, a song that I've had on repeat, first of all, is a song by an artist named Leia. I'm assuming this girl is somewhere from the East Coast because honey, she, got the, she has little skits in her work and she, as far as East Coast goes, right, honey? She has the little accent. Okay, but Leia, she has this song called Sailor Moon. And let me just tell you, she's doing the good singing and she has the good writing. She has all the things that Adriana personally looks for in an R&B girl that a lot of the R&B girls um, don't necessarily have. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but Leia, Sailor Moon, that is a song that I've been listening to heavy on repeat. Um, oh, and I've also been listening to her album called um, Hello. Um, I'm reading from my notes which is why um, I am like talking so choppy friends, but you know the vibe. Um, I've also been listening to a lot of our special guests. AJ Bray, still fresh. I can not stop listening to that shit. The shit's on repeat. Um, like I said, I've been listening to a lot of Lynn, a lot of unreleased Lynn. Shout out to the girl, shout out. And by listening to, I had the fun time in the studio. But as far as unreleased music, that is actually in my inbox right now. Word to Jedi, word to my nigga Tyler. Y'all already know this This man is my spiritual brother um, from another mother, literally. Um, however, shout out to him. He literally just sent me his next project, which goes fucking crazy and is so groovy. And I can't wait for the ladies to hear it. Um, but a song that is released by my guy Jedi that I've been listening to a lot features... Um, Oh, I've talked about this already, but Burning Bridges. Yeah, I've been listening to that song a whole lot. Um, speaking of new music from artists in the city, Syph Mike also has a song called Wish I Could. Really love that song. I did have the privilege of seeing that song live at the pre-roll. If you saw me there, um, pretend like you didn't, nigga, because I was really busy um, trying to fit into my introverted corner. It was very packed in there. Um, and here I am swooning over the guys again. Y'all already know Jayla, Jay Soldier, and DJ Napalm I fucking adore them and their movement is very has been very healing to uh, to watch 
is what I will say about that. Um, so I'm always swooning over their events and always swooning over the artists that I get to see live there. And y'all, we've talked about my favorite song of the motherfucking year, um, Said Boss Ezra. I was motherfucking screaming the words when the mans performed this song because y'all already know. Like, you already motherfucking know I love that song so much. Um, I had outplayed that song when it was in my inbox. Um, shout out again to all the artists who just feel to send music my way. Literally, it's my love language. It is my actual love language to hear music, like, unreleased in my inbox, waking up to an unreleased track waking up to an unfinished demo. That is all I want to do in my life. Um, but either way, um, y'all know I've been spinning Ezra, got to see him at the pre-roll, um, super cool. But y'all, oh no, before I actually talk about what I really have to talk about in music, um, shout out to my nigga Kent Jams who teamed up with the homie Good June. Um, Y'all know Overdose, um, never stop trying. If you know the fucking Overdose movement, you already know. If you know these guys, if you've met them, if you've been around them and have been able to um, exchange energy in any way, it just makes me so happy. Like, you know, like you would know the feeling that's inside. It makes me so freaking happy to see that they were able to collab on a song. I'm pretty sure Kent Jams is in album mode, but the song is called All The Smoke. Really, really good. But y'all, what we have to talk about. We have to talk about the K-Dot album. We have to. We have to talk about Mr. Rao, the Big Steppers. Hey, what am I doing on time? How much more time? Oh, perf, perf. 13 minutes to talk about this guy, right? Um, but yeah, Mr. Rao and the Big Steppers. I will say, yesterday I had a little conversation with my little bae, which we have not had a, a proper conversation, um, like a sit-down conversation since the album had dropped. Um, and the man was sonically disappointed, which I understand. I have seen these critiques of this album not being what people sonically expected from the last Kendrick Lamar album on TDE, right? However, your girl, as, as the, the person that I am and the way I ingest music, and the way I fucking get it, I understand the messages that homie was trying to try to convey. I understand the sounds, even though that, even though there were not a lot of songs that I personally um, loved, right? Um, I won't even say there were not a lot of songs that I personally love because there are songs that I fucking like. And actually, I'm not even gonna say that because Kendrick is the greatest. Kendrick is what Kendrick is what I consider a perfect artist, right? So a lot of people regard, and technically, technicality speaking, and this is all I'm gonna say, right? Because I, I know how y'all feel about this nigga, but technically speaking, the most respected rapper as the greatest rap artist is Hove, right? However, me, and I've said this on the podcast, I hate East Coast accents. They freaking sound like nails on the chalkboard for me. It doesn't do it. Are there JC songs that I love and adore and that are anthems to my life? Yes. Do I respect the man as a performer? Yes. Was his MTV Unplugged the greatest aside from Lauren Hill? 
and motherfucking Nirvana? Yes. However, Kendrick Lamar, in my brain, because I love his voice and because his voice isn't nails on the chalkboard and because he has a little bit more rhythm and because he's a little more facially nice to look at and because I feel like he's a different generation of creative. I look at Kendrick as the perfect artist. If I were to write on a board, what do I want a rap art? What, what does it, who is, what does the quintessential hip hop artist look like on paper? Kendrick Lamar is it. He is the standard. He is the person. So that being said, y'all, I would just <laughs> really quickly, I would just swoon. Um, I will say my initial favorite song, all things considered, um, Father Time. Um, it tugged at my heartstrings. I got the story. I understand. Um, shout out to Sampha. I have a love hate relationship with Sampha's voice, but we're not gonna get there, honey. We are not gonna get there. Um, but fucking love it. Um, great. Um, told a story. It actually makes me cry a lot. The song that initially made me ball like no other um, was Mother I Sober. Y'all already know Mama Issues, Mommy. Y'all already know um, the womb healing is so, so real. Um, so that song was very triggering for me, like initially to hear. Surprisingly, y'all, and this is a testament to therapy and to healing and to being the person that I am and um, just cultivating this, all of this, right? Um, the song that did not trigger me was We Cry Together. And that's the song that everyone is like, oh my gosh, I was like crying. And I'm like, God damn. Like, nigga, I was doing that shit in my, like, young 20s, like, as a tiny baby infant child. Like, I cannot fathom having those conversations with my partner at this big age. Honey, I won't. I absolutely won't. I will not. Um, but I will say the song that I have on repeat from this K-Dot album is Count Me Out. And while it was not initially what I thought would be my favorite song, I started listening to it. And I started listening to it as a, I started listening to it as almost like a self like mirror meditation. And I love how a big theme of this album is this being faced with yourself like in the mirror, because I think that is where the healing starts that it has to be like it, you are not going to cultivate healing within yourself, reaching for outside sources. You have to do the shadow work and that starts and ends with you. Goddamn. Like there's no other way to put that. So I love that theme of the album. But when I started listening to count me out as that mirror meditation, as this like dog, you are the person that's like counting yourself out. You are your worst enemy. It's um the, the last bridge. That's like, I'm in a decision. Now I give you my feelings. Fuck with you from like dog looking at that as a me to me type conversation dog. Some do it or some blame it on the devil when they fall short. Goddamn. But I, I put that on my ego. Lord of all lords, sometimes I fall for a nigga. Like, how many times do we talk about facing our egos and that being, like, the real thing that is stopping us from progressing and from, like, reaching that true, like, pinnacle of healing? And how many times have we talked about the fact that healing is not linear and the fact that we fall fucking victim to our ego? I The way that Kendrick articulated that in that song, like, 
it just does something to me. Like I, I cannot stop listening to it. Um, but yeah, that being said, nigga, that's all I've been listening to as far as music. I really have had this Kendrick album on repeat. There's other songs that I'm pretty sure I will mention um, next episode, but it is time for the conversation of the motherfucking hour. Um, the topic of the week. That's not really a topic of the week, um, but let's get right into it. Okay, friends. Um, we, I'm back from a technical difficulty that y'all don't know I had, but I just had, goddamn. Um, but we back and I am joined by a very special motherfucking human who is a rapper, an artist, like a fucking a person of influence some person that is very captivating to the eyes and to the ears and energetically I feel like um in doing the research that I've done over the past couple of weeks that this this person is just dope so I, we are joined like I said by this human this pay me in Waffle House ass nigga That's like AJ Bray so yeah. again we back what the fuck is up how yeah, you doing chilling. I'm good how you doing I'm great. I, I, you know, we getting it together. I'm doing fabulous. So, um, at your core, God damn it, who are you? y'all? I've already asked, asked like the first couple questions, so I apologize. I, I'm so sorry, but at no, your core, cool. AJ Ray, who are you, friend? I'm just like a cool, chill, peaceful person. I like to see people happy, but um, I'm an artist at core too. I'm a creative person, so I'm always trying to learn things and read things and just just uh find peace i think the same thing everybody else is trying to find yeah so where does why is peaceful an adjective that you describe yourself as like where where does that come from where does that stem from or start i think i'm a, I think I'm a very non-confrontational person because mm-hmm. i always just want peace i want people to just be happy, be cool, be chilling. I think a lot of a lot of the confrontation, when you look at it from the outside in, it's never worth it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's never worth it. And so I'm always trying to be the peacemaker. Like, is it is it really all of that? Or is it just your ego for a second? Yeah. Dang. That that is such an interesting thing to uh, to learn. And I think that's a lesson, you know, that I had to learn very pretty recently goddamn yeah. in life like within the last like five years I would say so at what point did you realize that confrontation was not for you and that peace and cultivating this like sense of peace around you was for you I think I realized it pretty early because all of my family is pretty peaceful too mm-hmm. and so when I would like deal with people not in my family and they weren't peaceful and it was confrontational I would get stressed I like my body would get hot like I didn't really know how to handle it and so I think just dealing with people not in my family who aren't peaceful like like it was it was it was too much for me uh-huh. and I yeah. was like no I need peace exactly yeah got you so I just learned friend and actually I was um under the impression before I, our first take of this that you were from texas i don't i i definitely just assumed you know that you were from here um but friends i just learned that the man was not born here so tell us about like your story where you were born where you were then raised and yeah that yeah so i ended up in texas in about the first grade my dad was in the army for Mm -hmm. 20 years and uh 
I was born in Alaska. That's where my parents met, but both of them are from Florida. Mm-hmm. And so after Alaska, we moved to Virginia when I was a little baby. Then we moved to uh, Fort Worth mm-hmm. with my grandma. And then we moved to San Antonio. Dope! So which which grandma on which side lives in Fort Worth? My mama. Random. So why? How did that happen? Why? Why? Cause that, after, I call Fort Worth my second home, which is why yeah, I asked. Because they, um, they lived in Alaska, too when they like they was in Alaska for years like 20 30 years because that's where my mom's dad was stationed at too and so that's how my parents ended up linking up but then um they moved after he retired to Fort Worth because they just wanted to retire settle down and shit and so yeah grandpa got a job with the IRS and my grandma had one with the FAA in Fort Worth and so they just stayed there but my dad was a recruiter for the army. So when you were a recruiter, you can like go anywhere. It don't have to be no base there because you're just getting people in the army. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up moving there because he was getting deployed all the time. And so my grandma and my grandpa could like help take care of us and stuff. Yeah. Dope. That uh, That is so random, man. And it's crazy yeah. that like you say Fort Worth specifically because like a lot of people will just deduce not all of DFW, yeah, yeah. say Dallas, but I'm like, nigga, in the 10 years that yeah. I lived in fucking DFW, I went to Dallas County. I can count yeah. on my hands, you know, like when I was always in Like how old were you? Um, So college age up right. until two years ago. So I'm 30 mm-hmm. now, I just turned 30. Um, But I moved like right after high school, Um, went to school in Arlington and okay ill yeah Yeah. (laughs) i hate that place that arlington is definitely the bane of my existence interesting place yeah yeah it is and you know seeing it change over the years like it's been very interesting like what they're trying to do with that town but yeah so your your parents both of your parents are from florida yeah both of, both sides of my family is from Florida, but my parents met in Alaska. Yeah, so how? Like, what kind of fucking weird fate is this? My mom's dad was in the Army, so yeah. he ended up getting stationed in Alaska. And yeah. they was my mama was there from sixth grade to when she graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And then my daddy joined the Army, and his first duty station was Alaska. And they had a mutual friend that introduced them to each other, yeah. and that was it that dog that are your parents still together yeah they're still together that's so cool so what what was the dynamic growing up with your mom who I learned was a stay-at-home mom while your dad was this had a military career so what what was your dynamic like in the house we was very peaceful for real like we was very chill like I said my sister's seven years older than me Mm -hmm. but we were cool we always got along me and my parents got along my dad he would get deployed a lot. Like he would go to Korea. He would go, you know, overseas and things. So me and my mom were very close. Like we were very close, but my dad always made it a point to like be that dad too. And yeah. so, yeah, we, we, we always had a good dynamic though. We still do today. Yeah. Dog, that's really dope. So are y'all the only family that's in central Texas of like your family? So my grandma ended up moving down here. My grandma and her mom, they both oh. lived by like 20 minutes from me. They ended up moving down here when my grandfather passed away. They was in Florida, but then he passed, so they came down here. Mm-hmm. But my parents, once my dad retires again soon, they're going to go back to Florida. Like they already, was, she was telling me today. She was like, yeah, we're we going to go back. 
Dang, like it's yeah. time. So are you, do you live in San Antonio currently? Yeah, I live in San Antonio. Got you. So when y'all did move to Texas, um, and I learned this, friends, when we were having technical <laughs> difficulties, when you moved to Texas, y'all moved to Fort Worth because y'all were stationed. What's the base? The Army base? Fort Sam Houston. Yeah, Sam Houston. Um, and you were there since being in first grade. So how how was your experience, I guess? Like, do you consider San Antonio home, essentially? Um, I think it was cool. Uh, to answer your first question, I think my experience was dope. I think... Uh, a lot of times when I tell people I'm a military child, but I didn't move a lot, they think that I didn't really like get the full experience. But mm -hmm. what people don't realize is if you're not moving around, everybody else around you is still moving around. Yeah. So I didn't really have many friends for like more than a year or two because oh, people yeah. are coming in and out, even if I'm not leaving. Yeah, so, that was dope. But um, do I consider it home? Not necessarily, because I'm not going to be here forever or yeah. probably much longer. Yeah. Uh, and I also went to college and I didn't go to college here. So I had four years where I wasn't here and then I ended up coming back. Got it. So where'd you go to school at? Uh, I went to like three schools because I couldn't, yeah. I didn't like nowhere. But my freshman year, I went to Baylor mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't like this. And then my sophomore year, I went to North Texas and I was oh. like, I don't like this. Yeah. And then my last two years, I went to Texas State in San Marcos. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, that's... So moving, like, do, where do you see yourself, do you ever see yourself settled and attached to one place? Um, I don't think so, because I'm very used to, like, kind of just picking up and moving. I'm sure yeah. one day when I have a family, if, if my wife isn't cool with that, then of course I'm not going to be moving around all the time. But at the point in my life that I'm at now, I can kind of just go anywhere. Like, the world is mine, so I, I just go anywhere, like, at the drop of a dime. No, yeah, exactly. So I, I do feel that. And I feel that there's value in that, right? So where do you feel like is the most transformative place that you have either lived or traveled? Um, I went to France about a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very transformative because even though I wasn't there long, I think it was interesting being somewhere it was a couple things going on. One, somewhere where I don't speak the language as fluent as they do. I speak a little French, but not like as fluent as they do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was one thing that was different because in, in America, it's English. Everybody speaks English. Like, yeah. yeah. But two, I think something that was different is you're not really viewed as a minority being Black. Like, it's so much of a melting pot there. And there's so many... Africans and there's so many like Americans but then it's like Asian people and they speak French and so it's like everybody and everybody kind of just minds their business like I didn't really yeah. have to worry about like discrimination or anything like that mm -hmm. so I think that was interesting for sure ah, dope. so I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit yeah. right and talk about you as a kid right yeah. so what what music was around you as a child? Because I, I definitely consider you like as a musician. Like, do you consider yeah. yourself like a musician, like a musical artist? Yeah, 100%. Okay, yeah. dope. So, cause I mean, I, I will say in the year of our Lord, 2022, I think a lot of people, I don't know, artists are, are sensitive about their shit, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. some people don't like to identify with whatever terms, right? So. As a kid, what were you listening to? What was the music being played around you? I think 
a lot of the music I listen to is inspired by my sister because she was seven years older than me. So whatever she was listening. How old are you? Do you mind? I'm 27. Okay, got you. So whatever she was listening to, I was taking her CDs and I was listening to. So Confessions is my favorite album of all time. I took that from her. I took Usher Confessions. Okay, favorite track on Confessions. Anytime anyone mentions this, I have to ask. It's so many. It's hard to pick one because it's so many. Ah. It's really hard to pick one, but Talk I really three. like, oh, I like Burn mm-hmm. for sure. I'm picking the obvious ones, but I like Confessions. <laughs> yeah. And even though he does, I, I like Yeah, because I watched the interview and he said he put that on there because it's hard to get people to listen to just the R&B project. You have to put a record like that at the yeah. beginning. And I do that now because of like, because he said that. So I would say that song too. I love that. That is fucking dope. So okay. at what point? Okay, confessions. Wait, what else were you listening to? Uh anything, Usher. Um yeah. I like all of his albums. I listened to a lot of like B2K, Perfect. a lot of whatever she was listening, Adele, um, Amy Winehouse. She was listening to stuff like Soldier Boy. Yeah. Anything. And she taught me how to burn CDs on LimeWire. So I was just Whatever she was listening to, I would put on mine. So I had like Britney Spears, I had like Christina Aguilera, like whatever she was listening to, I was listening to. Yeah, dope. I fucking love that. So you were really just listening to a whole bunch of like random things. Random. Yeah. So what type of music did like your mom listen to in the house? They listened to a lot of gospel music. Like they was really listening to a lot of gospel music, but they were also into like R&B and things. Like Jay-Z is my dad's favorite rapper. And then like, my parents would always tell me how, like, when they were younger, they went to, like, Keith Sweat concerts and stuff. So, like, <laughs> yeah. they would introduce me to that kind of stuff. But really, they, it was it was gospel for the most part. Dope. Got you. Dang, that's so interesting. So, do you feel like that gospel being played in the background, do you think that that influenced your music at all? At least, like, the R&B side of your music? I think it did. And I used to hate it. Because I used to hate when they would only play gospel music. Because I was like, yeah. I want to listen to rap, like let me change the station and they would never would let me they would say no this is what we're listening to and now looking back at it a lot of the melodies and just the soul in general and just growing up going to church definitely influenced me for sure yeah definitely so did you go to like a black church like in san antonio god on post on fort sam interesting and it was just black people all black they have it's like it's called a chapel yeah. So the way they would do it, because it's the military, is they would space it out. So at like eight o'clock, the Samoans would have a service. And then at like 1030, yeah. we would have ours. And then at like noon, the Catholics would have theirs. Very interesting. So yeah. that does that mean the the Black church service wasn't this extended time? Like, did they stick to very strict military schedules? Uh, I mean, it's black people, so it's hard to stick to any kind of schedule. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, yeah, because like nobody gonna say nothing, but like the Catholic service, you know, they gonna start creeping up and like kind of like look and like okay, like it's about our turn. So it was, it was it was pretty strict. Yeah. So were you like actively like participating like in church? And I ask this because I I grew up a church baby. I was in the goddamn yeah. church the two many times out of my yeah. weeks lord but yeah were you did you have that experience i did my parents made me though like it wasn't because yeah. we volunteered my parents were like yo you can either be in the choir or you could be an usher and i was like all right i'm gonna be an usher because i can't sing and so i was just an usher and that was my thing and then yeah, that was it interesting 
AJ Bray, I can't sing, so I'm gonna do be a usher. So <laughs> what was the point in your life that you realized that you were musically talented and that you could sing and that you did have these bars? Um, the way it was different, I started off just rapping. I wasn't singing for a Not while. Um, yeah. And I started rapping right when I graduated high school, when I was like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started singing probably not till like five or six years in, like five or mm-hmm. Love Abuse was my first R&B songs I ever made. Yeah. Yeah. And Dang. so that was it because a friend had kind of helped me. He had told a friend I went to high school with. He's mm-hmm. very musically inclined and he's like he taught my dad how to play piano. Like He's very musical. Yeah. And um, he told me because I was like, I always loved R&B. And he was like, well, why don't you do it? I was like, I can't sing, bro. Like I can't hold a note. And he was like. Yeah, you can. You just got to work at it. It's like a muscle, just like going to the gym. If you practice it all the time, you'll eventually get good. And so I did that for like a year and then I just started singing. Crazy. Yeah. So when do you figure out that you were talented, like in music in general? Like when you were, when you first decided that, or when you first realized that you had the talent to rap? Um, My homeboy was rapping first. My homeboy, Tevin, he's still my best friend to this day. Um. He was rapping. I was just always at his house and he had a studio in his closet and he was always rapping. And then one day I was like, bro, let me hop on a song. And he was like, Ben, I know you can do it. And so I did it and, and I, I had fun doing it. And then I just kept making songs. Crazy. So it just, it literally never stopped. So this wasn't like a thing that you were like super young and you no, knew. I never wanted to be a musician growing up. Like I didn't decide that till I was like 18, 19. And even then it was still for fun at first. Mm-hmm. And then I put a song out and it did numbers. And I was like, oh, maybe I could like make some money doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when you were growing, what did you want to do? Uh, I didn't really know. I was like, I was real into like academics and like sports, like just like normal kids stuff. And like, yeah. I didn't really know. I think I wanted to be a doctor when I was real young. And then, like, I came to the realization, like, you got to be good at math and science. And I wasn't good at that. So I was like, man, I don't know what I want to do. I just like learning. And so I just, I don't know. I was just kind of floating. Like, I don't know. Music wasn't even a thought, though. Really? Never. I never. Even when I see people from high school now, they're like, that's crazy that you like this musician now. Because I we never would. I wasn't in no band. I wasn't in choir. Like, nothing musical. Yeah. Damn. Oh, so I do have to ask you, Where did you play baseball? Were you a baseball player? No, I played tennis. I ain't played baseball. Got you. So how was tennis playing? Like, what, what was this? Tennis was like? cool. I think that was like, I wanted to do that for a while, actually. Like, I started playing because t- my grandmama, like, really likes tennis. And so she would always have it on. Yeah. And on post, like, on uh, army post, it'll be people who do, like, private lessons for, like, cheap, though, because it's on post. Mm-hmm. And so there was a guy and my mama had just signed me up. I was like, oh, I play tennis. And so he taught me how to play. And so I tried out for my high school team and I was just like really good. And so I started, I just kept playing and I got some college offers and everything. But then right before I was like, man, do I really love tennis? Like, do I want to do this for another four years? I did it the last four years. Do I want to do it for another four mm-hmm. in college? Like, and so I didn't do it, but I still play tennis. Like I, I love tennis really damn that's super dope that is a very random sport and I guess it's not that random like if you're in an an environment but did you go to is your was your high school a military high school yeah it was a military high school 
okay, got you. Oh, so that's where the whole, even though you were stationary, everyone else like was filtering in. So who's your longest friend that you've had? Or do you have a friend? My boy, Will, my other best friend, Will Tyler Farrell, we've known each other since like early elementary school. He's a year older than me, but even with him, he moved away for a couple of years. His dad got stationed in Hawaii. So yeah. like we were friends and then he moved away, but then he came back and we linked back up and like we still talk every day. Dang, that that is so interesting. Do you think that being a military kid, do you think that's something that's a situation that only like you would or people in that circumstance like would like really understand? Like, do you think there's nuances that people just would not get? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think there's things people don't understand that are like just very difficult. Like, and not not all difficult, but like moving around or like how I can just kind of move around because I don't really get too attached to things. A lot of people can't do that. They're like, no, like I meet people who are just from San Antonio, not military, mm-hmm. and they've been in the same house like since they were born. I can't imagine that. Like, or I'll meet people and they'll be like, I've never been on a plane. Or I've never been like past Austin, like things like that. I can't even fathom because yeah. it's like, what do you mean? And then like on a deeper level, just like being in school and like somebody come to school one day and like they dad like lost their legs. Like mm-hmm. I was just at your house and your dad was walking. And then a year later he comes back and he don't have no legs. Yeah. Like so things like that for sure, I think are very different for being military. Yeah. Dang, what do you what do you think is a lesson that you've learned that is very specific to your experience growing up like military? Uh, don't for one, don't take anything for granted. Because I think a lot of people can't imagine like literally like somebody just losing their arms, losing their legs, somebody that you know and just coming back and they don't have those, like they can't walk, they can't pee like on their own anymore, like things like that. So don't take anything for granted, but also don't get too attached to things because in the military it's not like you get to choose when you're leaving it's like they tell you hey in three months we need you to go to japan and it's not like do you want to go it's like you're going yeah (laughs) and so it's like it happens damn what an interesting lesson to learn dog like and again this is something um detachment is something that I actively work at like every single day of my life you know like um so what what advice would you give to people who uh, maybe unhealthily form attachments to things um I would say that doing that puts a lot of your mental health in someone else's hands and I think that's very dangerous to do. I don't think you should ever put someone's mental health in someone else's hands. But at the same time, it's hard to give advice because I think it can be unhealthy on my side too, to the mm. point where I don't want to get too attached to people. So I don't even let them get too close to me because in my head, they're going to be gone in a year or two because that's how yeah. I was as a kid. I'm You my best friend. We talking about graduation and stuff. Oh, Dad got stationed in Hawaii. Gotta go. Yeah. We never talk to each other again because that's how it happens sometimes. You you say you're gonna keep in touch, but life happens. Yeah. I think I think you have to have that balance of getting attached to people, but not so attached that you feel like 
things are going to spiral if that person is no longer in your life. Mm -hmm. Dang, that is a very, very good way to put that, dog. Like, I'm going to just replay that clip of just back all the time. That is like very valuable, you know, information. So when you when you were 18 years old, right, and you Mm -hmm. were like, I'm making this music. I'm, I just hopped in the studio with my homie. Like, I'm not bad at this. Yeah. Um, and you go full speed ahead. What is your vision as an artist? Where do you see AJ Bray at as an artist? I think when I first started, I used to always say, I'm going to be the best lyricist ever. That's what I used to always say. Like, I'm going to be a lyricist. Like, everybody's going to know I could rap. And then I realized like, that's cool and all, but like, that don't mean it's a good song just cause you could rap on it. Like, mm-hmm. and so after I did that, I made one song when I was probably like, this was like my sophomore year. Cause I remember, cause I made it in my dorm room and it was called mm-hmm. Take You Home. And I put it on SoundCloud and it did like 10,000. And I wasn't really rapping. Like I was, I was just kind of swagging. Like I wasn't really rapping. And I had sent it to my engineer, uh, but I didn't even send him a rough draft. so. The takes I did weren't even like how I actually recorded it. He had shift things around, but it did like 10K, no video, no really promo, just put it on SoundCloud and it just took off. And I was like, man, I didn't even like really try. And this did 10, like I'm never rapping again. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) From now on. And so that's kind of how that went. Interesting. So, you know, when I do think of AJ Bray, and your the rapping specifically, it is it is this very like swaggy, just very like not I wouldn't even say chill, but it's like this effortless, like confident, yeah. like ego. Like when it's I think like, of it's kind of like people will say nonchalant. That's what people say all the time. It's like I'm just I'm just there. Yeah, it's just like you there living, and then you make it sound cool. And like literally, when I think of my my ego. And when my ego gets inflated and I listen to AJ Bray, that is exactly how I feel. Like, fuck, what's your song? What's the new song, the track that just dropped? Uh, what is still it called? Fresh. What is it? What's the track? Still Fresh. Oh, Still Fresh. Yes. Okay. Look, so when literally when I played that shit, I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, how is <laughs> how are these all the fuck nigga thoughts that actually run through my head daily yeah. that I have to stop from coming out? Yeah. So, so what when when you started making that type of music, right? Like, what what did your process become? Like, how how did your your music making process change? And I guess what is it currently? Um, I think a lot of it was when I stopped writing. I think when I stopped writing and I Hold was on, just wait. Rapping. Hold on. When you stop doing what, friend? Writing. I don't write nothing down. Wait, I, you so you know the pen, the paper, the notes yeah. on the iPhone. I used to do that. I used oh. to. And then like I was like, man, like what if I just try it without it? What if I just do one bar at a time and I just say whatever comes to my head? And then I started doing that and it was it was hard. So I was like, I'm just shy. You never write your shit again. Like. Yeah. And so I just go in there. I just I just freestyle it and just say whatever's on my mind. Like literally, like when you listen to it, it'd be so literal. That's why like it'd be funny because like to, to some people, it's just songs. But to me, it'd be so literal. Like even on that song, like I ain't got to cut in like a month and I'm still fresh. Like that's okay. real. Like I, I hadn't got a cut in like a month. And so I just said it on the song and then I just kept going. And that's how all my songs come about. That is 
brilliant, first of all. Appreciate it. Because it is brilliant for a few reasons. So me, I'm super nerdy, like when it comes to fucking music. Like I can talk about the shit forever, hours on end. Yeah. But I think it's fucking brilliant because a lot of people want to do this. I think a lot of artists go into the studio and go into music making in general with this idea that they are not going to give it too much effort, that they are not going to put too much thought into what they're saying, that they're going to speak from just real personal experience, but then it either sonically sounds fucking stupid or Mm. it just doesn't make sense as a product. So how are you able to do this, but also give a quality product like even your older stuff right mm-hmm. that is I, I you still have like this wittiness that is it's not gimmicky it's like mm-hmm. a it's like who who the fuck are you friend yeah. I guess that's like where it all boils down to like where does this this confidence this ability to to push a product like where does it come from I don't know I think it's just I think like it's therapy in a way because I think a lot of times I don't really talk to people about how I'm feeling or what I'm going through Mm -hmm. and so when I get on the microphone it's like let me just say everything without a filter and I know some people are going to take it like oh it's just music he don't even really think like that but then some people are going to be like man does this nigga actually think like that what he can't say that and so I kind of just like just say whatever and just whatever I'm going through I just find a way to talk about it and and I want people to feel confident when they listen to my music but I also want like I think I think being an artist who's not necessarily I'm not like on like gangster shit but I'm also not on no like preacher shit and so I think I have to find a way to make what is important in my life sound cool to somebody and sound interesting so it's like how can I make like something as simple as like not having a haircut sound cool on a record yeah, like, so that's what I try to do is just talk about my life, but say it in a way that like nobody else has said it before and like nobody else would say, you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, for sure. So the the video for this track, which I'm so annoying because I'm going to ask you the title again because I'm so bad with names still fresh. and titles. Yeah, still fresh. Still fresh. Okay, so wh- did you shoot the video during your Paris trip? Yeah, but I shot it in Belgium though. I took a train over to Belgium. Dope. Why? Like what? How did the video shoot come about and the idea? Well, I, I typically travel just to shoot videos because San Antonio, it can get kind of stagnant just shooting things here. And so I'll book a trip to somewhere I want to go. I'll get on Instagram and I'll look up Paris videographers, Toronto videographers, and I'll just find dudes that <laughs> shoot rappers and stuff. And I'll hit them up and I'll be like, yo, I'm going to be here from these dates. How much? You know? tell me and then we'll just link up and so I did that there I mean I did that in Toronto I did that in Atlanta I did that in LA like I I just travel and shoot videos yeah so okay friend where does that idea come from because wow first of all I've never I've never really really thought that that was a thing so yeah yeah, what where did why why did you start I don't even know like I kind of just started doing it because I would go places and a lot of times when I travel I travel by myself and so I would go places and I would be like damn like this would be a perfect place for a video shoot and then I started realizing like I 
could do a video shoot here. Like there's probably plenty of people who would shoot me if I just asked. And so I just started reaching out to people and like, especially like when I go overseas, people are very like, let's please, like you're American. Like I've never done that before. And then they look up my stuff and they're like, yo, you're actually good too. Like, and so I just look up their stuff and I'm like, yo, you dope. Like let's, let's make something happen and we could get our fan bases to, to cross paths. Yeah, that's fucking beautiful. First of all, because you, I, I'm pretty sure you know, you've been doing this for a minute that being in the industry and navigating within the industry, you can get very jaded, um, <laughs> but not jaded like in like a sad way, but like your yeah. ego can become super inflated and for you can sure. become super like gatekeepy with things. Yeah. So 100%. why are you not that way? Why, why are you like, damn, let me hit up this photographer in X, Y, and Z place. So we can, with the intention of linking, making a product so you can then push up or so you can then have something for both of your fan bases to kind of like see and experience. I think my idea of music has always been collaboration. I think because I started when I was already kind of like almost an adult. And so I think I've always realized, okay, we got to collaborate and we got to work with other people and we have to like create art together. It can't just all be me. And so I, I think I've always been willing to work with anybody because it's like, yo, like let's cross paths. Like you might have some people that real, really like my stuff. And I probably have some people that are really like your stuff. Like mm-hmm. we can make a song in 15 minutes, bro. Like literally we can make a song in 15 minutes. We can go shoot the video in an hour. And then we can have both have 500 new fans just yeah. because we work with each other. Instead of everybody like, I, I, I always tell people, like I always tell other artists that it's like in music, there's not a limited number of spots of people that could make it. Like in basketball and the NBA, there's only like 15 people that could be on each roster and there's like 30 teams. So there's a limited number of people that could be in the NBA. Music's not like that. Everybody yeah. can have a hit. Everybody could be at these award shows. Everybody could do these songs. Everybody could make a lot of money, but most people got too much of the ego to just work together. Yeah. This is very, very much true. So how do you, how do you not get that? Like where, how do you stay grounded? Um, I think it's just kind of how I was raised. Like my parents have always raised me like, no matter what, you're not better than nobody. Like you are not above anybody. So you can never be too good. My mom used to always tell me, everybody everybody deserves the time of day. Everybody. Even if it's somebody who you don't want to talk to, at least give them the time of day and then go on about your business. And so that's always stuck with me. Like whenever somebody reaches out, I feel like I'm at least give you the time of day. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's really dope and fucking valuable. You know, like a lot of, like a lot of humans do not have that, you know, like naturally and a lot of thing or something that this podcast is very centered around is community and building community you know like and the value that is because like niggas expect to move by themselves they expect to to make things move and shake whether that even be taking care of themselves you know like people like really expect to get through life you know alone alone. yeah You you can't yeah it's not even possible you know like that's not like what we were designed to do as humans so to to take that principle and 
and like really stand firm in that like in this creative space moving about the industry and shit like I commend that like a thousand percent seriously for sure so I have a question that was actually given to me by the homie key from wave tribe oh my guy that nigga's my son honestly like I I adore Kellen right so what friend what what's love abuse what does that mean love abuse is a series of projects that I do Mm -hmm. and they're all R&B centered and the name came from I think the the oxymoron because love can be abuse and abuse can be love. It's it's all intertwined. Even though they're total opposites, they're the same thing. You can use love to abuse somebody. You could abuse somebody with love. And so I just kind of was making a project just kind of like talking about things that I've been through in certain relationships and just, you know, kind of my therapy, just talking about things that I've been through with with women. Yeah. Dang. So in what ways, AJ Bray, do you feel like you have been abused by love and in ways that you feel and what are some ways that you feel like you have abused love um I think there have been times where I've definitely been abused by love where people um see the type of person I am and they feel like that if they do certain things they could kind of get things out of me for sure But I think I've also abused love because I think I'm very aware that a lot of people who aren't as stand your ground as I am will use me and my love as a crutch. And I think sometimes I will let them in order to feed my ego. And so I think it can kind of go both ways though. Yeah. When's your birthday, AJ Bray? December 26th. Edgy. Okay. Okay. What's your what's your yeah, what's your um perception of astrology, first of all? I like it. I think it's dope. Like I I, I fuck with it because I think that everything might not be tenfold, but nothing in the world is like a hundred percent, you know what I'm saying? And so I think it's dope because I think there is truth to it. Like I said, me, my sister, and my dad all have our birthdays within a week. Like I'm December 26th. My dad is December 31st and my sister's January 1st. Y'all are all Capricorns? All of us. But then my mom is a Taurus. And in our house, it was very obvious. Like, we are kind of all, like, on our own shit, hustling, blah, blah, blah. And then my mom is very sensitive and making sure that we're okay and making sure that we're eight. And, like, so I I do think there's a lot of truth to astrology. That is so... That's very interesting. I asked that because... Dude, it's very interesting that you're this. I would not, I would have never um, thought that your sun sign was Capricorn, first of yeah. all. That it, you don't give Capricorn vibes at all. It's not giving. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and I say that because you you do seem like a pretty, like, you, you're you pretty vulnerable, at least in your R&B music. And even, yeah. you know, in rap music, um, you're vulnerable in a way that allows you to just express yourself freely, which we did talk about. So <clears throat> what, that transition into the R&B singer, mm-hmm. how, how did that come about? And like, do you feel like 
being able to express yourself in a singing way has helped you be more vulnerable, like as a person? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just started when I did Love Abuse, like the first Love Abuse, the first song is called Last Conversation. Mm-hmm. That was my first time recording an R&B song ever. That was my first time singing on a song and being like, hey, let's make some R&B. Let's look up Bryson Tiller type beat or whatever I looked up and let's try to make some R&B. And that was the first one. And it was a very vulnerable song. And I think when I realized I could do that, I was like, well, wait till I'm actually like, can do this, wait till, cause I couldn't even sing as good back then. So I was like, wait till I can actually sing, wait till I can actually construct these records in a way. Cause even now listening back, I was, it was kind of like awkward the way I was, the way I constructed that. The arrangement is very awkward. But looking back, it's because, like I said, I didn't position. Yeah, and I didn't write it. I was just, it was just my feelings. And so that's why it sounds so um, deconstructed. But mm-hmm. it's, when, when I did that, I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I think people can feel this. And, and I'm talking about more than, because like, some of my other records that aren't as vulnerable and they're just cool records, those are cool too. And they're like, I love performing songs like that. But it's different when you could listen to a record and somebody hits you up and they're like, yo, this got me through my breakup. Like, cause that's what it did for me. It got me through my breakup when I was making yeah. it. And so it was like, it's cool that I could do that for people. That's dope. I, I love that. And listen, I love me a rapper turned R&B singer. I think yeah. that that is a very, very interesting transition Super. when it works. And Super unexpected. Super. Did, did you think that it was gonna work? Never. I never expected it. I didn't expect people to like it mm-hmm. or anything. And then I had dropped a couple of pop songs and like I was singing on them and people really liked them. And I was like, this is wild. Like I thought people <laughs> liked it. I was joking on the tracks. And now I'm talking about my feelings and people are gravitating towards it even more. So I never expected it, but it worked out. And I felt like it really could be my therapy because even like how you're saying like, oh, my music's vulnerable. Like like and things like that. I think if you talk to like any of my ex-girlfriends, they wouldn't say I was vulnerable. They would be like, man, this nigga is so stoic and like he kind of just doesn't really, he's always good. He's always gonna say he's good. He's not gonna tell me what's wrong. He's gonna just nod his head. And so I think music is my chance to not be that person. Yeah. Kind of let out those feelings. Yeah. Damn, that's interesting. So so at what point does it translate? into real life at what point do you find that balance between vulnerable artist you and emotionally open human you um I think sadly I care about making good music so much that I will (laughs) sometimes put myself in situations in order to make a good song like I feel like a lot of I will sacrifice my mental health to make a hit record, 100%. And that's not good. I don't think anyone should do that. But I think all artists do it to an extent. I was reading like a weekend interview and he says he does the same thing. But most of my best songs came when I was like literally texting somebody or like scrolling through an old thread or just got in a fight. Like when I made Dangerous, Mm -hmm. I was texting my ex-girlfriend. We were in the middle of a fight. Like we were literally going back and forth and like we going back and forth and then I'm on the mic and then boom, 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 like going back and forth. So like, it really has to be that real for me. Yeah. 
dog. That's really dope as hell, actually, because I've talked to a bunch of creatives who or musicians specifically who are not able to create when they're in those spaces. It's only more yeah. so of a, a time of like reflection when they're like creating yeah. the music after they've been through it, though. That is fucking dope. Me, and I think it's like the the music I'm making reflects what I'm going through at that time. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not dealing with a woman in that kind of manner or anything, I won't make those kind of R&B records. Yeah. And if I'm not feeling the most self-confident, I'm not going to make it still fresh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just reflects whatever. And that's why all of my music sounds so everywhere. Cause it literally just always reflects what I'm going through. Yeah. And I guess that's what I was going to ask too. Like this versatility, like where does that come from? Is And is it, do you feel like you just have a versatile ear for music in general, or is it just literally your mood? and I think it comes out both I think it's partly my moods because I just make whatever's going on around me but I think a lot of other artists could do that too but most people don't want to step out their comfort zone Mm. like because nobody even like if you're doing your trap shit you don't want to do that 24 7 bro like you don't want to be you don't want to have a push icey mask on like every second of the day like goddamn, you can't you, you can't be that person all the time, but some people are so comfortable in their persona and their character that they're not going to take that push icey mask off. They're going to be like, they always going to be on that corner doing this. Even if they might hear something, like they hear some tame Impala and like, cause I'll be with niggas sometimes and they'll be on their push icey sitting then like we'll be somewhere or I'll put some music on and they'll hear some like tame Impala or MGMT or something. And they'll be like, man, I wish I could make music like that. And I'm always like, bro, you could, like you could, you just don't want to, but I promise you like you could, but I understand like people have their sounds and their fan bases. And that's a real thing in the music industry. Cause I've had record labels tell me like, uh, we only are going to sign you if you just do this kind of shit. And I'm always like, man, fuck you. I'm gonna make whatever I want. Yeah. That's what it is sometimes. Dang. So how do you get that level of security and how are you able to walk in that level of like authenticity that you are able to literally be like fuck y'all I'm gonna do what I want I don't give a fuck like what is being offered to me or what type of clout or what this is gonna benefit or like how I'm gonna benefit if I'm not being like 100% myself like how do you get to that place I think I've just always been lucky to have good people around me, like Dirtbag, for example. I don't know if you know Dirtbag from Austin, but like he's a person where like if if I'm having a conversation, I remember one time specifically we had a conversation uh-huh. with a label and it was a white guy, which made everything funnier to me. But he was like, stick to the pop and the R&B. Like we don't we don't want you to do the rap records, just do the pop and the R&B and, and Dirtbag. He was like, yeah, we're not going to listen to him because like you can do everything and you're really good at all of it. So you're going to do all of it and and we don't have to fuck with him. And and we didn't fuck with him and it was that easy. But I've always been secure in that sense that I feel like I can do everything at a pretty good level. And so I'm never just going to be like, I would get so bored if I only rapped or if I only sang. Like I would get so bored. It wouldn't be realistic. Yeah. Oh, damn. I feel that. And I love that because 
a lot of people are very scared and not I think it is a normal human emotion I think just based on society to feel scared to present as yourself 100% of the time I've definitely gone through that before too though I've definitely been at points where I was scared to kind of be myself a lot of times but then I think like I got over that pretty quick like even like even um I saw you coming on Caitlyn Jenner earlier that was like a very pivotal point of like my artistry and once I did that song I was like okay I can do whatever bro I could I could do whatever yeah like you it just seems so effortless you know like literally like you can definitely tell that this is something that you're having fun with you know and like does it feel like a job right now no, it never feels like a job. It's therapy. Like I, I, I don't even record in studios. I record everything in my crib by myself. And so it never feels like a job because it's just like, it's like how some people will get home and they'll get on the PlayStation. Like I'll be like, I'm gonna get home. I'm gonna get on the PlayStation. Then I'm gonna make a song after then I'm gonna hop back on the PlayStation. Like I just yeah. make a song on my couch, like with nobody here. So it never feels like a job because it's like, oh, damn, I got to drive to the studio. Let me make sure my engineer is there. Let me get the producer. No, it's all me in my crib. So it's just me chilling. Yeah, I love that. So like, speaking of music being like therapy, what yeah. what does mental health care look like for you? How do you take care of your brain and team? Um, besides making music, I think that it's important to get rid of all stress around you, even if sometimes that process is stressful, you know, and that goes back to what I was talking about, how sometimes I might use someone as a crutch for my ego. Eventually I have to be like, hey, this person shouldn't be around me because even though it's good for my ego, this is bad for my mental health. We're getting into it. And so you have to get rid of those things that cause you stress. And then I think you just have to decompress and you have to do the things that you enjoy doing. Like I enjoy traveling. I enjoy watching basketball. I enjoy making music. I enjoy listening to music. I enjoy analyzing music with my homeboys. And so I try to like do those things too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So when you, um, when you think about your yourself and who you are mentally specifically, what do you think, what are three things that you think you could work on that they, that you have room to improve on? I think I could work on my communication. I think sometimes if I kind of get it, get into it with somebody, since I'm so non-confrontational, I'll kind of just cut it off and be like, we ain't even gonna do this. Whatever you say, you're right. And sometimes that could backfire. So I think I could work on my communication. I think I could work on, um, I think I should get a therapist. I always say that, but I think I should get a therapist. I think it's good to have somebody to listen to that's not listening to a song sometimes yeah listen Um, friends I I am a huge advocate for therapy Um, that was before I phased out of therapy which I'm very thankful I'm very proud of myself for um but also I'm very grateful to have had that experience um but we we advocate for the mental or we advocate for the therapy I we fucking love to see it especially for black men specifically really all of my artist homies who may or may not listen to this podcast who I talk to I've been trying to push these niggas to create some kind of kind of fucking brother circle so y'all can all just kumbaya together and love on each other because niggas gonna be trying to do that though like you already know how it is like they say try to do that 
<laughs> they not, but goddamn, y'all niggas can like sing songs, have y'all toes out and shit. And well, just I'm like, all for it. I'm for real. You take a boys trip, but niggas don't be on that, man. Niggas don't be on that. Man, like that would like really warm my heart, you know. Like if at least at least these folks y'all niggas creating y'all group of people like i think that would just be so valuable but that's just me talking so shout out to to therapy um and what's your third thing that you think you can communication therapy and then i think my third one i think sometimes i could be too um too much of an empath and i have to not put other people before me all the time i have to just kind of let people do them, even if I know it's not the best decision or the smartest decision, you still got to let people do them and figure it out on their own. Yeah. Damn, big empath shit. Listen, yeah. uh, a hot fucking mess. So <clears throat> what do you, what are some challenges you face mentally, you know, moving throughout creative spaces? Um, I think, I think everyone beats themselves up over numbers for one I think a lot of artists beat Hmm. themselves up over numbers but I kind of stopped doing that recently and so I think that helps me a lot I think when I stopped looking for one but like stopped caring because I realized that like I'll drop a song or a video and I'll have like it's not about how many views you get it's about who the views are yeah. And so for me, I could have, a, I've had videos that didn't even have a thousand views, but a record label is like, yo, you're dope. We fuck with you. Like we try to get you, let's have a meeting. And it don't even have a thousand views. And so it's like, yeah, maybe nobody in my area knows this song, but the people over at Interscope do, the people over at Def Jam do. And so yeah. it's like, as long as those are my 90 views, I'm cool on that. Goddamn, exactly. Yeah, don't focus on numbers. That's my biggest advice. Got you. I, yeah, I like that because it can turn into a numbers game really fast and people can 100%. forget like why everybody they're cares. even creating to begin with. You yeah, know? everybody cares about numbers. Even when niggas be like uh, 30 retweets and I'm going to drop this song. Nigga, why do you need 30 retweets to like drop some shit that you worked hard on, bro? Like, you know you want to drop that damn song and let's, you know you're not going to get the 30 retweets. <laughs> like <so laughs> On me? <laughs> Like, just drop the song and just see what it does. Like, don't even think about the numbers. I don't even look. Like, I don't care. Like, you just got to do it. Damn. Yeah, you just got to fucking do it, dog. So I do have a couple, like, rapid fire questions. I like to give people, like, four seconds to answer. Um, But before we wrap up and stuff, I'll do that. But right before I ask those questions, talk to me about fashion. Where does like Mr. Fucking Swaggy AJ Bray, like where does this come from? Yeah, I love fashion. I think part of it is my sister again. My sister was always in the fashion. Shout out to Big Sis, man. Yeah, shout out Amanda. Um, But I remember she was always in the fashion to the point where like, I remember when I was a kid, my sister used to watch America's Next Top Model all the time. Mm -hmm. And I would go in there with her and I would watch it like, all day, every day. And I remember my dad got to the point where he was like, hey, uh, you know how black dads are, like, why yeah. is my watching this? But he didn't understand. It was really for the fashion though. Like I really was just so intrigued by fashion more so than anything, because the first thing someone sees about you is the outfit you're wearing. People always say first impressions are what you say. People see what you wear before that. 
And the way you present yourself is gonna tell me so much about you. And so I think I've just always been into it. I've always loved it. I was actually in Paris for Fashion Week. That's why I went. And so I just, I don't know. I just love like clothes. I think clothes are dope. Yeah. When yeah. when did that start? Did that start around, I guess, the ANTM, American Nextile Model binging days? I think it was partly that, but I think it was just partly like, really early I just learned your clothes like say a lot like my mom used to always be like okay like what you gonna wear to school tomorrow like we got we gotta pick it out like let's iron your clothes like you gotta look nice like oh we going to church you gonna have a collar on like my dad going to work you gonna have a suit on like so it's just always like and, and I think it's partly too my parents always have like told me that like when you black, you gotta like, you gotta jump higher, you know, you gotta run faster. And so you kind of have to like, even if nobody else at the event is wearing a suit, you already black, put that suit on, overdress a little bit. Ain't no such thing as overdressing in my book. And yeah. so I just always been in the club cause everybody gotta wear clothes. Like, even if you're not into fashion, you gotta wear clothes, bro. Like you have to, you can't avoid clothes. So I, I just love it. Ah, uh, dope. Do you see yourself? like designing fashion 100% music yeah. is just like a stepping stone there's so much stuff I want to do I just know I'm good at music and it can get me in the door but like I don't want to be making albums when I'm like 40 bro like <laughs> fuck that like I'm I'm trying to be at these fashion shows I'm trying to be on tv shows I'm trying to be in movies like music is just the easiest way for someone like me to get in the door um, without needing help of out. Like, even if you do like acting, you gotta live in the right area. You gotta have an agent. Like that's a lot that you have to do. Music, yeah. I can make this song in my room, find somebody that lives in my city to shoot my video, put it on my YouTube, I'm done. Yeah. And so music is just a stepping stone. I love, so many people say that. And yeah. the more and more I hear that, it's just so intriguing like I'm very interested in the psychology of music from that standpoint like music as a liaison into yeah. everything else creatively you know yeah very I, mean, I, love, I love music and I, I wouldn't music is like my favorite thing about life but I know that there's there's no money in music for real like if you want generational wealth an album is not gonna get no generational wealth <laughs> Like okay. it's a, it, it takes a lot more than some good songs to like make sure your grandkids is fed. Like I'm trying to get to that point. Oh, that, sir, you literally have like my research brain going and I just want to like know so much more about the nuances of that specifically. Yeah. That is very fucking interesting because I never, like I know there's no music or there's no money in music shit. My my father, who which I've talked about on the podcast a lot, you know, I grew up literally in a studio, you know, yeah. like my father was a producer, a writer, a singer, rapper, all of those things. And I've seen mm -hmm. so many people that are old heads in the city, um, Austin, because I'm from here, you know. Yeah. Um, but I've seen so many of them, so many of them recognize me as being that, you know, child. But I've also seen this person gets extremely discouraged because the music was was it like that's all he wanted yeah. to do that's all there there was and get he got extremely discouraged by the lack of monetary gain 
from that. And so I think the way that y'all are fucking creating right now and the way that people like you are thinking is is beautiful to fucking see because first of all y'all niggas not giving up and i tell tyler this all the time shout out to my nigga jedi i had to technically he he's definitely the bridge i feel like between us um fucking shout out to that nigga tyler i love him so dearly like when i think of this nigga i think of i don't know i feel like in a past life we were like conjoined twins we were like fucking warrior siblings or some shit like I feel so connected to this nigga like I just think he's the purest guy ever but I mentioned him because um I was just having this conversation about like y'all not giving up like and I think a lot of it has to do with community you know and this little shit that y'all are like building collectively and the but a lot of it is also perspective y'all have a lot of access that the older people didn't have but y'all sure. also have a lot of fucking vision i think sure. and the internet in general like yeah you don't realize just the power of the internet like you could really i could put my video out and somebody halfway across the world can just see it people couldn't imagine Instantly. that five years ago yeah like literally like the dude i shot my video with in belgium the second i uploaded it everybody in belgium saw that video Crazy. You imagine somebody in Europe seeing your video right when you put it out in 20 years ago. But I think people don't people don't like use it to their advantage. Like marketing is the most powerful thing in music. Like marketing, your music can be mid. If that marketing is on point, you're gonna blow. Like that's what I tell everybody. Like, fuck the music. Everybody can make a song. Get your yeah. marketing right. Put some money in these ads. Um, do some trailers, do some promo videos, go talk to people, like do something else. Yeah. Dang. That that's very valuable, man. And the fact that you're fucking doing it and like living it, like, and I love how like before we decided to actually have this conversation on the podcast, you were like, send me some, or like you were gonna send me things or in yeah. like reference points. But I love that you did not. And I kind of had the freedom to research and discover AJ Bray through my own lens because you are just so fucking intriguing. And it's like very undeniable. Like, you know, like I said, I have had a certain rapport, you know, with most other people that have been on this podcast. Um, Granted, we haven't been the best of friends, you know, like me and other people that have been here, but I've had a rapport with it. But knowing that, like, we literally just fucking follow each other on Twitter or some shit. And I had really been just very focused on people in the city that I knew of and that I really just wanted to uplift. But when I started doing the work, right, and I started fucking seeing you and your face and the, the energy and just the undeniable it's not even talent like like you said it's not about making a song it's like everything else is just so fucking believable and you can't not be intrigued by that but I say all that to say dog (laughs) I got a couple questions right yeah just to end with um because I talk a lot and I can go on a thousand rants um but just a few questions I, I don't think they're hard questions 
Um, speaking of my nigga Kellen, the nigga, him and Miles asked, they had trouble answering the questions. Um, fucking Tyler, the way his brain works is very similar to mine. So niggas can't answer questions. Um, other people that y'all will hear on this platform, but they have trouble answering the questions. So AJ Bray, like, what's good? Let's, let's talk some. We're going to try to answer. Let's try. Um, so. First, who had more of an impact on the culture and why? All things considered, mm-hmm. um, Soldier Boy or T Pain? Ooh, that's hard. But Soldier Boy, T Pain is my favorite artist. But Soldier Boy, for sure. T Pain's your favorite artist? Rapper turned singer. What? I love T Pain. Love. My sister went to FSU too, so she was like in yeah. Tallahassee when he was becoming t-pain so yeah been known about t-pain i feel like i have that connection with t-pain but i would say soldier boy because who was t-pain dressing like <laughs> goddamn dressing like like who was yeah t-pain produced all his music who did that first soldier boy like you can't really have t-pain without soldier boy i don't think you can that is a very edgy sentence, AJ Bray. But I think I think T Pain took a lot of influence from Soldier Boy, and I think he would say the same thing too. I, you know what? I don't disagree. I don't disagree with them people. I think that is a very edgy sentence that I've never sonically heard. I guess. Yeah. Um, and it has. They're both brain. icons, though. They're both icons, though. Listen. I don't disagree with you, AJ Bray. Yeah. I think you are a brilliant guy there. I, I don't know. Your brain is pretty dope, man. <laughs> okay, another question. All things considered, all things considered, mm. um, Usher or Chris Brown? Easy. Mm, Usher. Okay. Usher. I think Chris Brown is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Brown is dope. I think Chris Brown is the closest artist to Michael Jackson when you are considering singing, dancing, and all of that. But there is no Chris Brown without Usher. There is, and Chris Brown will tell you the same thing. He will say, Usher is where I learned to do this, where I got inspired to do this. And so I'm definitely going with Usher. (laughs) Got you, makes sense. So these two questions are like, they're kind of connected, right? But they're kind of Mm -hmm. different. Um, so the first question is who are your top five personal favorite rappers? Mm-hmm. Personal favorite. And Not the singers. second, and, well, the second is who are the top five all things considered greatest in your perception? But first, oh. your your favorite, your personal fave, top five. Rappers, not singers. Rappers, not singers. Two different conversations. That is rappers, not singers. Rappers, um, Drake, Mm -hmm. just his raps, Drake. Um, AJ Bray, we're not going to talk about Aubrey. I'm not going to get into the conversation with Aubrey because this is our first formal meeting. I, I am a person who does not address. And granted, I I grew up in the B2K and the Word Up magazine and the posters covering my wall. Aubrey was Shit. one of those posters when he was Aubrey as Jimmy. Do I consider Aubrey yeah. a rapper? Do I use the R word for him? That is not a title I addressed Aubrey by. Aubrey what is he, man? 
I think Aubrey is a thespian. I think Aubrey is a theatrical artist who is able to adhere to scripts. And I, but here's the thing, right? <laughs> I only say this because I'm a fucking hater and I love, I, I deep down, I do love me some Aubrey. Like I said, I'm like really an OG fan. Like I really remember the day that replacement girl became a thing on I the do too. internet. Yeah, for sure. Crazy, right? What a time. And, but what, but what, what part, like, are you referencing like the, the ghostwriting things? Like, like that kind? No, here's the because because that's everybody if we gonna have that conversation if we gonna have that here's the thing that is everyone if we're gonna have that conversation but no it is not that it is it is it's a lot of things there yeah. I think there's a lot of things considered I think that Aubrey Graham aka Drake who I I really do feel like in this music shit I have a very special connection to like I think I damn AJ Bray I've never said this on the podcast before I've only said this in kitchen table talk but I think that I brought this nigga to Texas like I don't think Texas (laughs) knew about this nigga Aubrey as a musician before Adriana in this motherfucking at least in the city in the city hands down Austin for sure so I have a very I feel a very special connection but I just don't call him, that's just not a title I, I use for Drake as a hip hop period. He, no, I see what you're saying, but even if he is being an actor, that nigga's acting like a better rapper than these niggas that call themselves rappers. Yeah, per. That, 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 that is a sentence that I have said before. Yeah. He, yeah, I, I agree. I don't disagree with you. Okay, so Drake. Drake, um, Young Thug, for sure. I gotta per. put Thug in there. I gotta put Thug in there. Um, I gotta put Future in there, honestly. Okay. I would put Future in there. Um, there's so many people that I feel like I'm influenced by. I gotta put Kanye in there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely influenced by Ye a lot. And then my fifth pick, I keep thinking of R&B people. I'm trying to think of somebody that just- That's so hard, I know. Yeah, somebody that just raps. Who do I listen to? I listen to a lot of Larry June, actually. I think I listen to a lot of Larry June. So I'll put him in there. Oh, we, we stand a soothing poppy. Shout out yeah. to Larry June, dog. Larry and June. all the other people, you know. I have several bones to pick. They do make sense. I get it, yeah. you know. I love Young Thug. I think he's an love icon. Thug. You know, Kanye is one of my Thank all-time you. personal favorite artists that mm-hmm. exist. I think he's one of the greatest people to ever create things and put them out, period. And yeah regardless of what they are you know um so who do you think technically um all things considered are the greatest rappers ever ever i'm putting drake in there i'm sorry i'm putting drake in there aubrey um (laughs) i'm crying like this is a confusing question so is this because the first answer that i'm thinking of is the five that i gave you that are my favorites they my favorites because I, like I think they the best. Because you think, like, yeah. To me, they're the best. But, like, I know to a hip-hop peers, I'm Nas and Big L and, like, like Tupac and Biggie and Jay-Z. Like, I know on paper they are, but, like, I think you kind of have to, like, 
it's all about perspective. It's all about lens. It's all about scope. And so, like, mm. to me, Baby Smooth is a better rapper than Tupac. Yeah. Because I can relate more to what Baby Smooth is talking about than I can relate to what Pac is talking about. I think that is a perfect answer, to be honest. Like, I was, I was breathing. I was... <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I, I think that is a beautiful fucking answer. Like, and I, I would have no other answer, but I do have another question, right? Yeah. So, uh, yay, all things considered, Kanye West yeah. or Pharrell? Yeah. Ooh. That is hard. That is hard. Because I feel like they're both great at different things. They are. But it's also hard to pick Pharrell because a lot of those beats he didn't make. It was Neptunes. It was Chad too. So the things that we might love about them beats, Chad did the melodies a lot of times. Mm. Oh, I love your brain. I love how it's working right now. But I would have to say for me personally, I'm going with Kanye because I can listen to Kanye's entire discography and I could just love it. But Pharrell is hard. I think the better question would be Kanye or the Neptunes, because then I might switch my answer to the Neptunes, but that's yeah. two people against one. So that's not really fair. It's not. Ugh. Yeah. I like your brain. I like how it works. Okay, Justin a couple Timberlake. more, right? So what's your favorite? What song do you wait? What say that again? I love Justin Timberlake, and that's like that's Pharrell. That's like Pharrell, Senorita. Like that's that's the Neptune. Like I love them. Amazing. Listen, thanks. Ugh, you know what? So I I do have a bone to pick with Pharrell. I want Pharrell to do for a black artist what he's done for artists like that nigga, like JT. Like, I would really love to see a, I don't even know. He needs like to make goddamn up with AJ Bray Pharrell situation. Get the Khalees situation right. Because we all love Khalees. Get that. She not fucking with Pharrell. Let's get that situation. Nah, and she just dropped something and I feel like I, I want it to be Pharrell. And I think it would. Let's get the Khalees and Pharrell relationship back intact. That would be beautiful. I would love and... that. You know, I love that you mentioned Khalees. Not a lot of people reference her and not a lot of people. Um, I don't think a lot of people respect how much of an unapologetic fucking badass artist, you know, she is. She was Azalea Banks before Azalea Banks. Like, Listen. Listen, seriously. She didn't care. That's why she say fuck Pharrell to this day. Cause she oh, like, me? I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. Exactly. Fuck Khalees. Oh, I appreciate that so much about you. Um, oh, so I do have another question, right? Yeah. And I do understand that now in hindsight, you're not from the city. It's like mm -hmm. you infiltrated my brain. My fucking yeah. brain romanticized the fuck out of you being from <laughs> Austin or at least from Texas, you fucking yeah. military kid. Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I love to see it because like that is, a very interesting story you have but sure. creatively in austin the city of austin mm -hmm. um, where hip-hop is concerned let's not even say hip-hop no yeah. i have to say hip-hop i have to narrow it down no where artistry is concerned i like that period give me 
five artists, groups, artists, acts, five acts who you would invite to an AJ Bray and Friends festival. Oh man, we already didn't talk about some of them. Jedi, Tyler, he number one. He the reason most people in Austin know me. I feel like between him and Dirtbag, that's like why people know me because that's the homies. So he number one. Um, Wait, so how do you know Tyler? Through Dirtbag and the PS5. <laughs> Who is this Dirtbag? I don't know that's this human. You need to get him on the podcast for real. He Dirtbag? Like, okay. There's nobody that you interview who's not going to know who that is. I promise you. Dirtbag. Do people call him something else? His, his government name, I'm not going to shout out his government name, but like yeah. Dirtbag Life on Twitter. Like, there's one- Wait, I know Dirtbag Life. No, you know Dirtbag. We Everybody definitely follow you. Who is Dirtbag Life? Everybody knows Dirtbag. Okay, I'm hitting him as soon as we wrap up, dog. That is him. Like, he knows that is the like, the, the Medici family of Austin is like Dirtbag. Like, yeah. that's the brains. He is, he's the Medici. Yeah, but I would say for sure him. I met Tyler through him and playing the PS5. We play 2K together. All three of us will be on there. So oh, he's no. number one. Um, Teddy, the legacy, number two. Her. Me and him got some great songs together. You some do. that ain't even out. We got some, we got some shit. Oh, hey! There's a song that you're on. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think you're, wait. You have a song that's like, it's a lot of people on the song, like Metallic Forest. You're on that song, right? Am I lying? Yeah. I don't know who that is. You don't know who Metallic Forest is? No, put me on. I don't know who that is. Wait, am I lying? Who did I just put on this song? I don't know who Metallic Forest is, but shout out to shout out to them people, for real. Damn, shout out to them people, because I don't know this nigga either, to be quite frank, if I'm not even knowing who's on the song. You okay, never mind. Never, never mind. You brought up Teddy. It made my brain yeah, go I crazy. I, Teddy, though, for sure. Shout out to that nigga Teddy, bro. Um, Jedi, Teddy, Wave Tribe, for sure. I think they're both super talented, but Key, Key is one of the greatest writers I feel like in the world. Like me and him, when we get in the studio and make R&B music, he's the only person who I will hook up two microphones with and I'll say, let's make an R&B track together. He's the only person that I will do that with in the world. Literally like any of these artists, like could, could, these Neo could be like, hey, let's fucking make a song. I'm gonna say, okay, yeah, I'm gonna make a song with Key. Fuck Neo, fuck Jonte Austin, fuck these niggas. Like Key is right here. So I would say Wave Tribe um, as my three. Um, that's hard. I feel like Austin has a lot of artists, but Austin doesn't have a lot of artists. Not in a bad way, but just like- I know, what you, I know the vibe. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of people that make music, but I feel like if it was a- Can I make a substitute for somebody from San Antonio? Yeah, go ahead. My boy, my boy Wes Denzel. Oh, he's from San Antonio? We went to high school together. Nigga, I'd be just putting all places. I'd just be like saying y'all niggas born somewhere, goddamn. Oh, me and Wes went to high school together. I've known him since I was like 15. Yeah. Um, so Wes definitely number four on the phenomenal artist, goddamn. Yeah, for sure. Put me on, put me in. I have to have a conversation with him. Don't get on here. I got you for sure. He's like he's dope because he's like an R and B rapper. Like phenomenal dope to me. And then Number five, um, Lil Naj. 
You know who that is? That's my baby. Five, sure. A Taurus queen. Yeah, I love her. She's number five. I sure. Listen, she I love her. her. That's my yeah, baby. She, I, so she is. I cannot wait until she's done with her busy ass birthday month so she can no, sit down real. with me. Yeah, I, I talked to her yesterday. I was like, oh, because I got a show up there on the 14th. And I was like, pull up to my show. And she's like, oh, that's my birthday party. I'm like, oh, man. I start crying. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Dog, I love her. She is the sweetest little baddie. I she's just, so dope. yeah. She's so dope. No, that's my father. That's, that's a dope five, man. And yeah. before this interview comes out, I'm, li- I'm actually FaceTiming Key as soon as we yeah. end this so he can see those words because like literally like when I say that kid is like my child like I feel like Kellen and I were like led to each other's life like to really like so I can son him but so he can also like mom me like because I do have a child right I have a 10 year old and I think I learned from him every single day you know and I think in having conversations with Kellen and you know all this stuff um yeah and helping him in certain ways, like it's really helped me in this journey. So I think those are some He's words. That, yeah, those He's are some amazing. words that that nigga needs to hear because I tell him this. He is an elite fucking songwriter. I tell him that every day. He don't even be believing it half the time, but like he is he, like, he says things sometimes that it's like, do you know like how you just formulated that? Like, like do you get like, friend that other people don't do this? Yeah, like do you understand what you're really doing on this record right now? like he's amazing he is fucking amazing dog so i appreciate that as uh like as a person who's meeting you for the first time and as a person who just loves that kid dearly man for real like i think and just your energy overall and how you know really supportive of these niggas you are you know like i see you retweeting their stuff and like how they like it's just so cute i just love they're all so talented like and I think just me being from San Antonio, like, we, it's not that kind of love, like, in San Antonio. And so when Austin kind of started, like, kind of, like, fucking with me, I was like, I'm going to fuck with these niggas, like, because they, oh, like, they dope, I'm dope, like, they'll actually, like, do a song with me. Like, these niggas out here in San Antonio, they don't be trying to do that. And, like, there's reasons for that, but that's, a, that's another conversation. Oh, me? <laughs> Were you out here fucking these girls these niggas bitches and I mean, high that's school. part of it but like not even just all of that but i think it's like i hate to be that nigga but like the racial aspect of it too like most of these rappers out here is mexicans bro <laughs> so it's like felt it's different it's different like you're not gonna tell me about hip-hop bro <laughs> like, on me i like, promise you not <laughs> no and you're not gonna say nigga in the studio when we were like we not finna like be- at all and you know it's so crazy because like I always wonder, like, as the Black artist, uh, what entourage of a non-Black artist and you in a studio, like, what, like, what do you say? Like, how, how yeah. does that, because con- I know how the conversation will go, but I'm in the goddamn studio. Yeah. So, like, But it's I just so normal that. down here, and that's why I just stay out these niggas' studios, because it's like, yeah. I don't even want to be put in a conversation, because, like, imagine if, like, my cousins or something see a video, and I'm in the back. And it's like a Hispanic dude rapping and he's saying, nigga, bro. Like my cousin be like, are you mad? Like my daddy, what did my daddy see that? He's gonna be like, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so I just kind of stayed to myself. 
man I appreciate that well listen you always have love here if you ever want to come back and talk about the field yeah. you know yeah. feel free. my next project my next project I drop I'm gonna hit you up you, <gasps> you'll, be, very you'll, be excited. you'll be the first interview no cap dog I really appreciate that and I hold you to that I'll bake you some really. vegan cookies or some shit for really. that love um but is there anything else that you want to leave the people with any words any anything uh, I'll ask you a question since it's like, let's flip it a little bit. Okay. What do you feel like is the most rewarding part of your podcast, your creative outlet? Oh, oh, that's going to make me cry. I'm a crier. I think the most rewarding part is people trusting me yeah. with pieces of their story and I think that's something that I have repeated a lot when it comes to this podcast and that's something that I will never not be appreciative of because I'm I'm a very vulnerable person naturally and I have always been that way but it's always been something that society has told me not to be you know mm -hmm. so um, I didn't understand why in my brain, like things that are normal social aspects, like small talk or mm -hmm. just like little bedside manner, you know, like that type of thing, like why that has, it gives me anxiety. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be speaking or being mm -hmm. spoken to if it's not substantial and vulnerable like nigga if we're not yeah. talking about the childhood traumas that you yeah. are healing from actively like why are we even engaging in conversation yeah yeah so that that's definitely the most rewarding part the fact that people trust me I feel very just honored and blessed because yeah. that's all I've ever wanted you know to understand people as much as like I desire to be understood yeah that's fire well you're really good at I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. And I'm thank looking for, forward to yeah. Thank you I'm for just letting me come on your show. It was dope. Like when I seen the Jedi episode, I was like, damn, like that's dope. I want to go on there. So like, I appreciate it. Dog. Nah, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Like people like Jedi, um, fucking Tyler. It's, I never said Jedi. About his rap name and shit. <laughs> oh, no. People like that nigga, right? Like he stays affirming the reason why I even like do this yeah because I'm such an introvert I just want to be somewhere Dang. like undercovers and Dang. not talking to people but you know people like him they really affirm this and they make me him specifically is a huge reason why I even keep doing this and like reaching out to people to talk to because yeah I, I just I love it I love humans man you're a legend Oh, he really is shout out to that nigga but that being said um thank you for asking me that question that was really interesting people don't ask me things all the time so I do appreciate that and yeah where can where can the people find you where can my peeps find um you? at D.A.J. Bray on everything um and I got a show in Austin May 14th so pull me and West actually where um somewhere on Machaca Road don't oh know. like on south on the 14th yeah. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday, May 14th. Yes. Okay. Bet. Is it is there like, like a flyer somewhere that I yeah, can, it's, that like I can personally... it's an event, right? I'll send it to you. Um, yeah, bet. Just send it to me because I I love supporting the homies. That's like my new favorite hobby, honestly. Like since coming back home, 
just coming to people's shows and screaming their lyrics that I've had conversations with is like my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's gonna be fun for sure. Oh, well, thank you so much for real. I really appreciate you. Mm -hmm. I'm probably gonna like text you at like 6 a.m. in the morning when I wake up like on um Twitter just to tell you how much I appreciate this for real. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. For sure. Have a good night. So first of all, shout out to the conversation that you just heard um, featuring AJ Bray. Um, However, welcome back to another episode of OG Says, where I, OG Adriana, say something about something. And this week, really briefly, all I want to say is friends, homies, um, meet people where they are and do not have expectations of humans who... uh, period goddamn don't have expectations of humans like literally practice word to aj bray which i'll just heard word to deepak chopra um literally practice detachment detachment is the key and when you literally detach yourself from the expectations of other people and you stop projecting um what you want people to feel for you or to feel out of you or to receive from you when you stop projecting that and that being the forefront of your relationships and you genuinely just meet humans where they are um that is just a very valuable space to be and a space to stay um and that being said um that's really all I got to say honey about that um so yeah let's close out the episode Y'all know I love ending these episodes with some sort of energetic climate, some sort of spiritually led um, energetic message, y'all, to give the collective um, something that we may or may not need to hear as we are moving throughout the rest of our week or a couple weeks or whenever you're hearing this. Um, hopefully it resonates with you and where you are. Um, we are actually using the same exact text that we pulled from on last episode. It is a poetry book entitled How to Love by the late, great, thick, not Han. Um, yeah, so I'm just centering and taking some breaths. <sighs> Asking spirit for some clear and precise messages on behalf of the collective. Ooh. A sleeping child. There are times you may sit and look at a child when he's sleeping. While the child sleeps, she reveals tenderness, suffering, and hope. Just contemplate a child sleeping and observe your feelings. Understanding and compassion will arise in you, and you will know how to take care of that child and make her happy. The same is true for your partner. You should have a chance to observe him when he sleeps. Look deeply and see the tenderness that is revealed, the suffering, the hope, and the despair that can be expressed during sleep. Sit there for 15 minutes or half an hour to just look. Understanding and compassion will arise in you and you will know how to be there for your motherfucking partner on me. <laughs> Shout out to Thick Not Han um, forever getting me my feels because now I am definitely envisioning this cute ass motherfucking DJ or whatever um, sleeping with his cute ass everything. Baby, it's the everything for me on me. <laughs> nah, but that being said, um, yeah, I hope some of that resonated with you. Um, if you're not in a relationship, if you're not partnered, maybe just the general compassion for human beings and understanding that we, we all go to sleep and we, we all 
you know, experience these these emotions and these kind of trials of life and human emotion is literally a universal thing, regardless of how it's expressed um, from person to person or culture to culture or region to region or whatever the fuck. Right. Um, So the next time you feeling frustrated with whoever it is, maybe envision them as a sleeping baby and envision that peacefulness, but also the despair and the suffering and all those emotions that come up when you envision that person sleeping um but yeah um don't be too creepy i guess um with that being said i'm really done with this episode thank y'all so much for listening i do appreciate y'all so very much um so so much i again i'm just feeling so affirmed in my path in doing this podcast and hanging out with humans and just living life and I'm so grateful for that um I'm grateful to be in this mental space that I am in I'm grateful for the company I keep and the community that I am continuously building and yeah I I appreciate y'all for listening um definitely go follow us on our podcast Instagram at organic with OG where we post podcast updates and aesthetic things you can also follow my podcast Instagram at Oh shit, I don't even know my Instagram. Oh, I said my podcast. See, this is why I'm confusing myself. I cannot speak. The sentences are not sentencing. Sentencing. Goddamn. But you can also follow my personal Instagram at OG Adriana, which I use as like a micro blog. Um, I sometimes overshare, honey. So bear with me on there. You can follow me on Twitter um, and on TikTok at OG Adriana underscore and find me on the YouTube because video content is coming soon. Um, video content that is some produced content coming soon coming in the summer um so definitely be on the lookout and go subscribe to your girl your homie your favorite homegirl right um on youtube you can find me at og adriana on youtube but y'all that's all i can say i have to say go follow aj gray on all the things another special special fucking thank you to that guy um for gracing us with his presence um shout out to neighborhood nick for being a dope ass motherfucking vessel and putting my name in spaces that I'm very blessed and grateful to be placed in. With that being said, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> Bye guys. I hope y'all have a great week, month. Um, all that shit of however long <laughs> it will be until you listen to this podcast again or until I get to see you and smile at you face to face or until we're able to fucking hug or talk or something whenever I get to interact with you again um, I hope that your time spent is good and I hope that you were able to reflect on some of the things that we talked about on this episode as per usual but now I am just motherfucking rambling um but yeah I just really appreciate y'all like I really really fucking appreciate y'all and I'm finding myself crying more and more after these damn episodes because of how fucking grateful I am to be doing something that I've wanted to do for a very long time but that being said (sighs) 